I hope I'll be able to finish this series before I'm 80. <laughs> anyway, we are really enjoying looking at this book, understanding that what it does for us is what it has done for centuries from the early Christian church until now of raising up our vision so that we can see who Jesus is. And so we have titled this series, the whole book series, Looking to Jesus. That's our focus. That's where we're trying to narrow everything down. We have a huge amount of information and input from the writer of Hebrews who we don't even know who he is or was. But he is causing our eyes to be focused. And that is one of the reasons why the church comes together. And it's not to look at me. I trust not that it will open your eyes to see Jesus and to understand who he is. Lord, help us now that we see Jesus and we focus our attention and our thoughts on who he is in Jesus' name. This is lesson number four and why salvation is so great. And I trust that at the end of this message, you'll just say, hurrah! Hooray! Way to go! <laughs> okay? That's what, we're, that's what we're headed for. In Hebrews chapter 2, 1 through 9. Let's read. For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at the first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard, God also testifying with them both by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. For he did not subject to angels the world to come concerning what we are speaking. But one has testified somewhere saying, by the way, when he says someone has testified somewhere, let's give the author of Hebrews a break. They didn't have verses and chapters in the scrolls and the manuscripts that they had. But he was able to quote that perfectly. Memorization of scripture, knowing the scripture by heart, is the fuel, is the instruments that God can use in your life in situations when you don't have your Bible, you don't have it right there with you, but a verse comes out for appropriate time for appropriate person. But one has testified somewhere saying, what is man that you remember him? or the son of man, that you are concerned about him. You have made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor 
and have appointed him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in subjecting all things to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him. But now we do not yet see all things subjected to him. But we do see him who was made for a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus. Because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. We're going to start with these sentence phrases from verses 1 to 3. We must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. We're going to talk about just penalty. Verse 3, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? It was spoken through angels. It was first spoken through the Lord. It was confirmed to us by those who heard God also testifying with them. And then concluding in verses 5 to 9, we do see him, Jesus, crowned with glory and honor by the grace of God. Let's pray. Father, again, help us that we rightly divide the word of truth. Help me now. Help us in our hearing. Help us by the Holy Spirit to understand what you want each of us individually. You know our hearts, what we need to hear. That it be words of encouragement, possibly correction, and hopefully insightful and valuable for us to take away today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 1, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard. I believe that there is no other name given to man under heaven by which we must be saved. No other name. And so we, we need to understand that as Christians, when we have come to the Lord and that we know who he is and we know that he is ours, it is still quite easy for us to drift away. We have not been made perfect yet. So we need to understand that we have the potential of walking away from what we know. You know, you that have children, how many times a day do you speak to your children about what they should do or what they shouldn't do? Quite a bit, isn't it? But we need to pay close attention. And that comes with training, but it also comes with a heart to be obedient, to pay attention. I said to Katie, you know, you talk a lot about buy the truth and don't sell it. That's Katie's favorite message. And I said, here's a verse for you. We must pay much closer attention. We have to take time. We have to take a, an action in order to be able to do that. To what we have heard. 
And that goes along with what I just said about memorization, putting it into our heart so that we can recall it. So when you hear yourself quoting yourself to yourself a verse of scripture, obey it, obey it. You know why? I believe that is the Spirit of God speaking to you. Go ahead and obey it. Jesus' disciples asked him, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus said, see to it that no one misleads you. Matthew 24 is an incredible chapter of Jesus' commentary on the end of the age. I think we should read Matthew 24 often. We need to get it into our hearts and into our heads, and especially in our day and age. There's a lot of encouragement, but there's also a lot of bewares in, means be careful, pay attention in chapter 24. This is given to us by Jesus himself. So these are words that we should be listening to as much or even more than when we listen to the news and what is happening worldwide. When was the last time you read Matthew 24? Read it this week. Take about a half an hour away from the news and read Matthew 24. You'll get a good perspective on what is going on right now in our world worldwide. Really? Okay. How many of you would say, okay, Ron, this week, the Lord reminding me, I'll read Matthew 24. Great. Great. Okay. God bless you in doing that. That is going to be fuel for your soul and resolve to continue to believe and to walk in his way and accomplish what purposes he has in your life today. But Jesus says, see to it that no one misleads you. Many will even come in my name and will mislead many. And there are a lot of so-called preachers who are misleading people. 1 Timothy 4.16 says, Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. That was Paul writing to Timothy. Who was Timothy? Timothy was the young preacher, missionary, pastor. You know what? I fear for myself in this position that I'm in right now. And the responsibility that it is. I'm being held to more accountability than what you are. And that's not to say I'm important, but it is to say that week by week as we gather here and the deacons have asked me to preach, Ron, again next week, would you preach again? Would you preach again? That's a heavy responsibility. But in some ways, it's good for me. It holds me to the line. It holds me to
to what God has called Katie and I to. Pay a close attention to yourself and to your teaching. And then Jude also said, for certain persons have crept in unnoticed, crept into the church, who turn the grace of God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Unbelievable, but true. Verses 1 and 2, so that we do not drift away from it, from the word, every disobedience received a just penalty. I'm just capsulizing those or headlining them. What does drift away mean? Drift away is in the Greek, and I'm not a Greek scholar any more than you are and can be by just going online to biblehub.com and typing in a verse that you like and you'll be able to see it and then go up to the line up there that says interlinear click on that and up will pop Greek and English and some other languages there anyway and there you will be able to see how many times this word happens to be used in the Bible and it will have all the occurrences where that word is so you can go in and look at the verses and see how that word is being used and get a deeper, broader understanding of what the word is talking about. Well, here we've got this word, parareo. Para, has anybody ever taken a Latin class? Para means with, for, or similar to. You know what a paramedic is? Kind of like a doctor, but he's kind of a kind of an emergency doctor that stops the bleeding. There were a lot of paramedics in Las Vegas at work. Some of them gave their lives in that monstrous, horrible event. One of the things on the news, Matthew 24, paramedics would be similar to a medic, a doctor. He's one that can help right at the scene. Rio, do you know what Rio means? Yeah, okay, I've got it written here. <laughs> Flowing or stream. That's what the translators of this particular verse that we're reading in this particular translation, which is the New American Standard Bible, which I recommend. Stream or flow. So drift away. So how did they get drift away out of perareal? Okay, do you know the word real? Can you see the cross lit up? Did you notice how we can change that? That's a real stat. I am increasing and decreasing the flow, the stream of electricity to those lights up there. We use that all the time. How many of you have a rheostat that you can dim the lights in your house? Okay. Do not drift away from it. From it, what is it? The word of God. Don't drift away. It is so easy to drift away. You can drift away in your thoughts, away from the Lord to something else that's distracting you. You can drift away. Well, I really don't need to go to church this morning. I'm a little tired, had a busy week. 
Well, yeah, it's been about three weeks now since I've been, but you're beginning to drift away. Well, I don't really need to call my friend and we pray together, fellowship together, encourage one another. You're drifting away so slowly that it happens to us. The flow is taking us away. There's a good example in the Bible that speaks of that. Remember in uh, Genesis chapter 4, Adam had started a custom with his sons of giving an offering to the Lord. And so Abel, who was a sheep herder, offered a lamb. And God was pleased with that. Cain was a farmer and he had vegetables and probably flowers and just all kinds of incredible, beautiful fruit. And he offered it. But God was not pleased with that. God was looking for a blood sacrifice. And you know what came up in the heart of Cain? Anger. Anger. And it says that his face, his countenance was cast down. And God said, why are you cast down? He says, if you do well, you will be accepted. God says that sin is crouching at the door. Sin is like that for us. It's waiting. Waiting for us to mess up. It's waiting for us to get into that mood, cantankerous or angry or dissatisfied, like a lion going after its prey. It desires for you, but you must master it. It's like a lion crouching and waiting for that calf of a wildebeest to kind of wander over to the nice green, thick grass. And he's just waiting, the lion is, in the grass until that calf gets close enough and can jump out there and just grab it. That's sin. Sin is crouching at the door. And before you know it, we've had it. We're done. We've fallen into sin. All of us have experienced this. You know what I'm talking about. And we need to be aware of that. We need to be aware of our sin. How will we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Jesus said, I am the way. I am the way of escape. How will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Harden means I'm not going to listen to that. I want what I want. I don't think it's dangerous. I don't think it's wrong. I don't think... And you've already gotten it. You've already succumbed. That's the nature of sin. All of us 
are susceptible to it. Every one of us in this room. We know it. We know what it does to us. And as I quoted, there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus, Jesus, help me right now in this time of need. So great a salvation. So great a salvation. For us, it is a daily experience that we have. Oh yes, I was saved, uh, yeah, 30 years ago. Uh, Yeah, I'm a Christian. No, you weren't. Not if you're a Christian walking. You probably were saved five minutes ago. Do you understand what the nature of it is? We walk in sin on a daily basis. And we have to be close to Jesus. It's his name that helps us overcome. More than helps us, gives us the power to stand against sin. There is no name under heaven given by men whereby we must be saved. It was spoken through angels. Here's a very interesting thing that we, Katie and I, ran into this last week or so. The gospel, the message of salvation, was given in the Old Testament through what? Through the law. Who gave the law to Israel? Well, you can say that God did, but who was the one that carried it? Moses. Okay, God came to Moses and gave him the law. You know that there were 10,000 other beings that were there on the mountain when Moses received those tablets. Who were they? Angels. I didn't know this verse was in the Bible. Deuteronomy 33.2 And he came from the midst, it's talking about Moses receiving the law from God. It says, He, God, came from the midst of 10,000 holy ones. Holy ones. At his right hand, there were angels with him. That's what the Septuagint version, the old ancient ancient manuscripts say. 10,000 angels were present when God handed the tablets to Moses. Incredible. And then it says that it was spoken first through the Lord, the Lord God. Matthew 16, 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he might go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. Jesus is the one that gave this prediction. It was confirmed by those who heard, those disciples of Jesus heard about the salvation. 1 Peter 1, 3, and 4, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away. And that's what the disciples shared about the gospel of salvation, why salvation is so great. And then God also testifies with them in verse 4, God also testifying with them both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his will. We receive the word of God, not casually or haphazardly, but it's by design. And we have this recorded. And praise God that we have his word in our hands. And not only in our hands, but we have it on our computers, we have it on our phones, we have it readily available to us. Do you know how blessed we are? Do you know how responsible we are? Do you realize that we are without excuse? Do you also understand that with this knowing and having the word of God, we should be walking in it every day and understanding it? It's part of our living. It should be part of our living. 1 Corinthians 12, 4-6 Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives to use the Word of God to convict us, to lead us, to direct us. We need that in our lives in order to be able to walk as Christians in the evil day in which we live. I think that the word of God is commensurate, or the, the, the proliferation of the word of God is commensurate with the age in which we're living. Do you think of it that way? We have this word, but look at the world that we're living in. Human beings have never lived in a world like we're living in today. And God has kept pace with it, giving us this accessibility. But there are some people, some nations that are without the word of God in their own tongue. And there are missionaries, translators, who understand this and want to get this to them because they see that this is valuable and necessary for our day and age. Concluding, why salvation is so great. For he did not subject to angels the world to come concerning what we are speaking, but one has testified somewhere saying, What is man that you remember him, or the son of man that you are concerned about him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and have appointed him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. Who is this person? Who is this that the psalmist is talking about? The writer of Hebrews goes on to say, For in subjecting all things to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him, 
But now we do not yet see all things subjected to him. Wait a minute. Who is this him? I thought that was talking about Jesus, that psalm. No, it was not talking about Jesus. It was talking about a man. You and I. We have been given responsibility for the world around us. But it's not subject to us. To some extent it is. We can train animals. We can change rivers. We can even build mountains. But we're not fulfilling what that psalm says. But there is one. But we do see him. Jesus. We do see him who was made a little lower than the angels for a little while, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor for what he has done for us. He did this for us on the cross. It wasn't just the fact that Someone had to die, and so it was Jesus. No, this was calculated. This was planned. This was from the beginning of time or before. And so that what we are understanding is that he is the one that is saving us from ourselves and from this world by the grace of God. So that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. So that by the grace of God, he tastes death for you and for me. For by the grace of God, he tastes death for your mom or your dad or your brother or your best friend, the one that you're concerned for. It's on your heart right now. That is God's salvation in his plan in looking to Jesus. He is the perfect man. He is the one who is above all. He is the one that we go to and not to ourselves or to our friend and lean on their shoulder. Yes, we do need to be praying for one another, but in your praying for one another, you're really leaning on the Lord. We do see him, Jesus, crowned with glory and honor, By the grace of God, he has tasted death for everyone. Everyone. No one is excluded. They exclude themselves. But they have the opportunity to receive salvation. Let us be faithful to walk alongside these people. Pray for them, sharing the word, encouraging them to look to Jesus. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your plan of salvation. Your word is faithful. The Holy Spirit is faithful. Jesus is faithful. 
and you are the faithful one. So in our lives, keep our eyes on you, on Jesus Christ, knowing what he has accomplished for us and made a way for us to the Father in showing us your justice and mercy, just because you sent your Son. Your righteousness because you acknowledged our dependence on him, the one who gave himself for us in our place. And we have become justified. We have become righteous, not on works of our own, but on our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Thank you. Thank you for such a great salvation. We'll sing that song for endless ages, for eternity. Thank you for your salvation. And we give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.